0: Hello there. I'm Julian Dyne and we're about to listen to the Laha. the show Julian. We spoke to you a couple years back when you released your solo record Modes. Now you're here to chat about The Lahar which is your collaboration with Horatio Luna and Lachlan Stuckey of Surprise Chef. I want to start by asking you how you met these two and started working with them. So I'd met Lachlan Stuckey prior to this recording as he was working for my Australian booking agent Crown Ruler so he um worked for Jamie for Crown Ruler for a few years and we kind of struck up a friendship around that time and he'd been like supplying me with the early Surprise Chef uh, 45s and recordings and stuff and I was really into it and I guess the opportunity just came up because I had a bunch of shows in Australia, solo shows and shows with Avondale Bowling Club and it was all kind of centred around the Strawberry Fields Festival. Uh, which all of the... and Stuckey and Horatio Luna were also playing at. So I booked both those guys to play at uh, a club in Melbourne to do a set of my music opening up for the Italian group New Guinea. And then while we were at Soundcheck uh, Henry, Horatio Luna was like I've booked a studio for tomorrow, let's do some recording. So um, he was kind of the catalyst for that. And I'd heard about uh, Henry Horatio Luna, before I'd met him and was a fan of his music and his p- bass playing and and he'd also played with another New Zealand guy, Armin Payne, in a, a group called Te Mori they opened for Lord Echo and I remember all of the band members from Lord Echo were freaking out about how amazing this guy was. So I really wanted to do stuff with him and turns out he's just, you know, really lovely guy and totally approachable. Yeah, so the, the, the studio session came about sort of based around these shows in Australia. And it was done at this place called Fishbones Tone Shack with a guy called Fabian Hunter, Australian dude that um, lived in New Zealand for a while. Really cool little kind of um, totally DIY sort of studio at the back of his house, like, you know, just a small shed basically that he converted. And all the music, like all the beds, all the rhythm tracks and the the bones of the music were made in one session, one sitting. So, Uh, Nothing was kind of preordained. I did have some sketches and things that I thought we might use, but no, we just made up the stuff there and then. And um, working with those guys was really incredible. Like um, Stucky, he he came up with chord changes and things like really quickly. And um, the whole thing just sort of fell into place. You know, Um, we sort of had a general idea about um, what kind of feels and vibe we were going for. That was kind of like the template was was laid out and then we just kind of filled it in and did these sort of mammoth takes of jams. Yeah, so that was the the initial part of it. And then I had all this wealth of recording that I took back to New Zealand, and um, I employed a bunch of colleagues to kind of help with it. So I laid down like huge amounts of percussion at home, all over, you know, 15 minute takes of things and stacked things up, and then also sent the tracks to uh, Corey Champion in Wellington, who did vibraphone. Um, will Will Bill Ricketts in Wellington who did the conga and some also some vibraphone. Um, and then Scott Towers, uh, amazing saxophonist musician uh, who plays in Fat Freddy's, he wrote all the horn lines and um, did all the arrangements for that so I sent him the music and he kind of hummed them all out basically into his phone as he was driving and stuff and then um, charted them up and we did it. A big horn session at my studio with Scott Towers and J.Y. Lee and Guy Harrison, both from Avondale Bowling Club as well. And then also Guy Harrison did a huge amount of keyboards uh, in another session, uh, Rhodes and synths and vintage Casios and things. Uh, then oh, vocals, um, so Mara TK did was staying at my house actually and um, I played in the stuff and he just wrote the lyrics to the tune doing it. Um, then and there and recorded them in my studio all in the space of a few hours and then uh Toby Lang also from Freddy's he sung on one of the tunes uh in his unique style and approach where he he sort of gets quite a dictaphoney sort of sound I don't know if she I think he actually uses a dictaphone or has done in the past so it's really lo-fi um quality and but gives it a kind of pretty unique character sonically yeah uh, always very interesting, unusual lyrics, and yeah, quite a different approach to to vocals. This all happened uh, pre-COVID, so I think I think it was 2019, perhaps. Yeah, so it's it's quite old now, and I guess it yeah had gone through various stages of being worked on and left for a while to marinate, and and then uh, Miles Clare from Soundway was here um, for one of the Flamingo Pierce Festival, so that must have been. Three years ago, now as well, and he was said, "Oh, what's about what, what's this about these tracks I've been hearing about with Stucky and Horatio Luna and Matisse?" So I sent him the stuff, and he was really into it, uh, and that's how it got signed to Soundway. The name was my idea, it's one of those ones I'd wanted to use for a while, and I think it might have also stemmed from a primary school project about volcanic eruption in the, uh, I don't know what year it was, maybe the 50s or 60s, and part of the story goes a guy was running along yelling the lahar, the lahar is coming, you know, and you know, I like the idea of it, the notion of it, you know, the sort of volcanic mud flow and yeah you know, so it's sort of dirty and it's it's a nice metaphor and and a strange word Could you talk me through how this one came together? This track is, it's kind of an ode or a nod towards the sort of early 80s proto-rap instrumental sort of vibe where it's kind of like Grandmaster Flash and a lot of the stuff on Enjoy Records and a lot of the stuff where it was coming out of disco and hadn't gone full you know, drum machine yet and so it's still bands. Uh, I just love those 12s where you can play the B-side with a dub on it and it's kind of, yeah, sort of a bit of a, a an ode to that. But you know, kind of something that's hopefully good for dance floor. Mudder's vocal really takes it very much in a Curtis Mayfield kind of direction. Scott's horn writing's kind of got quite a lot of a sort of 70s cop TV theme show sort of vibe about it. And then I think Corey's vibes in the B section kind of tip it back towards this sort of daptony Brooklyn funk thing, a little bit. So, I don't know, that's to analyze it in a strange way, but you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, it does what it does. Yeah. Where my mind goes, was Yeah when we were recording there was, uh, we were chatting about the sort of like the stepper rhythm of reggae and and all of us really being into that, Um, I guess the sort of post Sly and Robbie type thing where it's like, uh, as opposed to the kind of one drop Bob Marley sort of vibe going for more of a straight, open beat and we were discussing the difference between, yeah, what we thought all thought stepper rhythm was and and kind of making something that comes out of the sort of like disco downbeat vibe meets reggae without being too overtly uh, of a sort of Jamaican pastiche I guess yeah Step 2 and Work, Work, Work are essentially the same song. They're sort of versions of the same thing. So we, we wrote the song and then we played it in a bunch of different styles or a bunch of different tempos and feels. Yeah, so essentially we're sort of like being economical and getting the most out of the same uh, harmonic and uh, melodic idea and then just kind of varying the feel slightly between the two. And uh, Scott wrote different horn lines, so melodically it, it, it it's altered between the two. Yeah, Toby Lang on the vocals. Um, I guess uh, you'd have to ask him what he was going for um, thematically, but I guess that it's relatively apparent what he's kind of talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think there's sort of the, the way that this kind of music's approached, particularly here in Aotearoa, there's, um, it's always a little bit, kind of if It's never, we're never able to do these things as a complete copy or um, replica of something else. It's always got this sort of bastardised variant. And I think that Toby's vocal, you know, uh, quite odd sounding um, sonically, but also quite strange lyrically. And it's kind of got a bit of melancholy to it too, you know, so it's not a party tune, but um, I like all of those things, you know? Yeah. Just do your work. Super was sort of an ode to the the Kiki, as the Kiki guy and the um, Nigerian keyboard star um, was a little bit of an ode to that sort of the afro disco sort of sound, you know, um, trying to make something that would work in the club, but also trying to go for a little bit of an odd B section with the chord changes, but really just, you know, sort of faux afro dance floor sort of vibe, yeah. This was actually um remnants of the of the reprise of doing it so um we were still jamming on that same theme and then henry horatio luna brought in the sort of walking baseline kind of thing. he's really into that um intersection of jazz and house music so we kind of went for the full live jazz house sort of buzz but then the chase scene really came in with Scott Towers horn writing um, and he actually mentioned that, he was like, yeah, it's kind of got a bit of a cop show theme, you know. So it's it touches of the sort of black blaxploitation uh, soundtrack or library records or things like that. Yeah, rather than your more conventional soul or jazz horn section, yeah. And I think there's something kind of lively and comical about that, you know, it's playful. All right.